we all look for loopholes. I probably don't need to tell you this, but a loophole is just a way to work around a law or a rule. It's kind of a way to get around it. And while none of us need to be taught how to find a technicality in a rule, for many of us, this starts pretty young. Do you remember ever having conversations maybe with your parents like this? Well, you asked if their parents were gonna be home. So when I said yes, I knew eventually their parents would return home. So technically I wasn't lying because you didn't ask if the parents were gonna be home during the party. Or officer, the sign says no skateboards. I only have one skateboard. Or maybe some of you, when you walk your dog at the park, adults, you say, it says, keep dogs on a leash. And you're like, well, I only have one dog, so it's not that big of a deal. We all love loopholes and workarounds. And Christians, unfortunately, especially love loopholes. But this isn't exclusive to Christians. People of every religion, I think, look for loopholes. That every religion sort of has a document or a book or a list of things. And then every religion has a group of people who sort of help those people sort of get around doing those things that are on their book or in the book or on the list. That here's what we think, here's what it says, here's what we actually do. And when asked about the difference, we sort of like hold it up, turn it sideways, close one eye, and then we see it differently, right? We love loopholes and workarounds. We're in the series called For Everyone Still, looking at the letter that was written to the Christians in Rome. And part of the reason for the series is that many people outside of the church are asking the question, who is Christianity for? Who is Jesus for? We think the answer is pretty clear that Jesus is for everyone. And in this book that Paul wrote, this letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, he sort of emphasized this theme over and over again, that the message of Jesus is for everyone and is it open to everyone. If you missed any of the messages in the series, you can head to our YouTube channel. But in the series, we've looked at the different sections of this book or this letter that Paul wrote. And last week we looked at the section that came right before this section, talking about our response to authorities. And I've heard some great feedback from many of you about that message, namely that those verses were used by authorities to abuse and mistreat black people and people of color, women, and those on the margins of society, the poor, the disabled, or the disadvantaged. That those same verses were used by some authorities to actually exclude people, when in reality they were meant to include everyone and be for everyone. And along with that, how are we supposed to respond to unjust authorities? That marching the streets for Black Lives Matter, that hiding people, hiding Jews in your house during the Holocaust, those can also be responses to our ultimate authority, God. And those things are all true. And I could have done, I definitely could have done a better job of communicating that. But sort of transitioning to our message today and our topic today about loopholes, many authorities have looked for loopholes, a ways to sort of go around their responsibility to care for those under their authority. And while authorities do look for loopholes, looking for loopholes is something that everyone does. And in the Christian circle, there's sort of two different extremes of people that look for loopholes. On one extreme are the Christians who don't want to do something. They say, well, Jesus didn't actually say that. Or Paul, Peter, and John, they didn't actually write that. Or that sort of came about because of oral tradition hundreds of years after Jesus. So we can just sort of disregard that. And then on the other extreme are Christians who want to do something, but they know that they shouldn't. And they even have a verse for it. They look at 1 John 1, 9, it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That maybe some of us were taught or maybe some of us kind of came to the conclusion ourselves that we could sort of just fill up our sin bucket and then get on our knees and confess it to God. And then God would like wipe our slate clean and sort of empty out our sin bucket. And that's like a great system that can become a loophole for continuing to sin. And while technically that verse is true, that's what a loophole really is. Technically, something is true. Technically, you asked if the parents were gonna be home, 
but you didn't ask about the party. So technically, but I knew what you meant, right? And as followers of Jesus, we should quit looking for loopholes. That looking for loopholes or being a loophole Christian can be quite dangerous. That you can believe anything, you can get away with anything, you can hate people and have a verse. That through various seasons of Christianity, there's been people who have enslaved and mistreated black people and people of color. There have been people who have abused and put down women. And there have been people who have persecuted members of the LGBTQ plus community. And when asked about it, many of them had a verse that it's kind of amazing that there were people that could disregard and mistreat the people for whom Jesus died using his words or using his father's words. But unfortunately, many of us are not too dissimilar from that, that we can find justification for just about any behavior if we really want to. That is what loophole Christians do. Like how close can I get to sinning without actually sinning? Like there's a line out there somewhere, but how bad can I be? How mean can I be? How righteous and self-righteous and selfish can I be? How close can I get to whatever that thing is without actually hurting my relationship with God? And the problem with that is that the focus seems to be in the right spot, our relationship with God. But Jesus says, Paul said, the Bible seems to indicate that our relationship with God is the right focus lived out through how we treat one another. That by the time Jesus came onto this planet, the religious leaders were so enamored with the laws and the commands that they sort of almost forgot about the intent of the commander, that they actually created laws and rules to help people from accidentally breaking one of the original commands, that there were actually rules to keep people from breaking the rules. Have you ever been there? That they actually created 613 specific rules to do that. And so Jesus sort of pulls back and starts from the very beginning and he gives them a new command. It's a command that's supposed to be at the top priority and supposed to demonstrate to other people that they were actually following him. And he lived this out throughout his time on earth, um, but specifically at the end of his life when he actually sort of punctuated this teaching that he taught. And unfortunately, over time, people like us, we sort of look for loop around, loopholes or workarounds about how we can follow Jesus and do what we want or and how we can treat people how we want, et cetera, et cetera. And so about 25 years after Jesus, the church is starting to grow and starting to have communities around the Mediterranean. And there's actually a group of Christians in the capital city of the Roman Empire. And they're possibly, literally, in the shadow of Nero's circus, where Nero is persecuting Christians, he's, he's burning Christians, he's feeding Christians to lions. But in that same place, Paul writes them a letter, and he sort of goes back to this original commandment that, that Paul uh, heard from Jesus, or heard through Jesus, that began with him, and he lived out two decades prior to that. We're going to be in the book of Romans chapter 13. If you want to open up the Bible app, you can do that. You can also go to the notes section of the chat, or you can just follow along on the screen as well. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8, it says this, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. And when he says owe nothing to anyone, he sort of means pay all your debts, take care of all your debts. And then when he says obligation, he sort of is implying that there's a continuing debt, that there's something that you're never going to be able to actually pay off. That basically he's saying, Jesus followers, I want you to wake up every day knowing that you owe the people around you something, that you owe them to love them, and you owe them to love them because Jesus has loved you. And this love isn't just for the people that are like you, that when Paul uses the Greek word for one another, he actually means outsiders. He actually means embracing everyone whether they are in your home or in your church or outside of those areas as well. And while this is, not, this is simpler, this is not gonna be easy. 
But this isn't just like theory or, you know, certain sort of belief in love. This is love as a verb. He continues on verse nine. For commandments say, for the commandments say, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you must not covet. Like the biggest ones that they could think about, right? The four big ones. He continues on. These and other such commandments, or another way to say it is, whatever other command are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's kind of implying that whatever other commandment you can find or whatever other verses you find or whatever other teaching you find about religion and your uh, relationship with other people, your marriage, your view of authority, sexuality, that whatever other verses or stories you find, whatever God said about all that other stuff, don't use another verse, story, or commandment to unlove another person. Do you know how powerful this could be? Do you know how simplifying this could be? Do you know how clarifying this is? It's kind of terribly clarifying, right? It's a little bit too clear of what he's saying. And Paul's going to make it even more clear. Verse 10, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Do you know why you shouldn't commit adultery? Do you know why you shouldn't murder? Do you know why you shouldn't steal or covet someone else's property or someone else themselves? that the answer is pretty simple, that those acts are not loving and they do harm to others. That the reason we shouldn't commit adultery is because loving other people doesn't create regret in them. That loving other people doesn't break the trust of two married people. That God isn't against sex, he actually created it. And this protects both men and women. That the reason we shouldn't murder is that physically or emotionally hurting someone or taking someone else's life, or taking the life of a father or a mother or a child isn't loving. That we don't avoid murdering people because the Bible says, the Bible says not to murder because it is not loving. That the reason we shouldn't steal or covet is that taking from someone else to help yourself is not actually loving. John Wesley sort of highlights the positive and the negative of, of loving. He says this, that the same love that keeps us from all kinds of evil also motivates us to do all kinds of good. That everyone looks for loopholes, but love removes the loopholes. That Jesus followers don't look for loopholes because love removes them. That Jesus followers don't open the scriptures looking to make a point. That Jesus followers use the scriptures as a mirror to see themselves, not as a weapon to use against someone. That Jesus followers, as Jesus followers, we open the scriptures to learn how to love one another. That as Jesus followers, we ask the question, what does love require of me? So right now I want you to think about what does love require of you this week, this upcoming week that's coming up, like in your difficult, most difficult, tough situation that you're going through. What does love require of you? In light of what is happening in the world right now, for our brothers and sisters of color, this means standing with them, marching, protesting, advocating for them. For those who are struggling with COVID or maybe potentially vulnerable for COVID, this means wearing a mask and maybe staying physically distant. For those struggling economically with, with uh, loss of food or income or jobs, this might mean sharing your resources of your time, your money, and your food. And sure, you can find a verse that says, you should save for the future because that is in the Bible. Or maybe you could even use the verses from last week about we shouldn't protest against authority. But given what is happening right now to our brothers and sisters, what does love require of you? In light of what is happening with my job, my HOA, my brother and sister, my boyfriend and girlfriend, my, my son or daughter, what does love require of me? 
Because Jesus followers should move in the direction of people who don't look like them and maybe they don't even agree with because that's what Jesus did. And Jesus followers don't just talk about people, they actually go to people to talk with them and to love them. That loving others will draw you out of your comfort zone. Loving others is gonna bring you into new relationships. Loving others is gonna draw you into listening instead of just talking. And loving others might bring you into conversations you've never thought you would have. And what if we woke up each day with an obligation or a debt to love other people? What if we parented that way? What if we responded to our boss or our employees that way? What if we, every time we left the house, that's the way that we acted? What if we responded to our teachers or maybe our kids' teachers during this whole distance learning thing that way? What if we responded to those that we love that we're closest to that way? What if we respond to those who are completely different from us in that way? Can you begin to see the difference this could make in our city, in our community, in our country, maybe even in the world? Now, some of you probably have some more scenarios or some more loopholes or some more questions. So let me just practice like teaching the way that Jesus taught by answering your question with another question. Aren't you glad that God didn't look for a loophole when it came to his love for you? Because I don't know about you, but I've given God 10,000, maybe 10 million reasons or loopholes not to love me. So where do I have the right to then find a loophole not to love you? And of course it's complicated and it's much easier to just find loopholes. Everyone looks for loopholes, but loving everyone removes the loopholes. So what does love require of me? What if we just ask that question for one week? Because the thing about this principle is it's transformational for everyone. Some of you, you've seen it in your marriage. Maybe some of you, you've seen it with your parents. Or maybe some of you wished your parents had lived this out because things would have been quite a bit different. That looking for loopholes is what everybody does. But loving everyone removes the loopholes. And living this out might not just be the catalyst for your life change, but living this out might be the catalyst for life change for those around you. So what if we just live this out? What if we answered this question this week? What does love require of me? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for this commandment that sort of is just so penetrating to our hearts that for many of us, we could find a loophole for just about everything to treat anyone however we wanna treat them. And we could even maybe find a verse that would somehow support our notion. But yet Jesus came and you came to be so clear to us, God, about how we should treat other people, that we should love one another. And so God, we know what the answer to that is in most situations. And Lord, for those situations where we just fight it, we push against it, we wanna find a loophole around it, we wanna find a way not to be engaged. God, would you just please speak to us right now? Would you please put your finger on that area of our lives right now? And God, for some of us, we need to maybe repent or we need to kind of turn away from using a verse or using something in the scriptures to then treat somebody poorly or to treat somebody badly or to support in, in some way others being treated poorly. So God, would you please forgive us? Would you please convict us of that? And would you please help us to move forward? Would you please help us as a church and as a community to love other people the way that you've loved us. Would you help us to live this out this week? Would you help us to answer the question, what does love require of me? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.